Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, January 26th, 2018, and on today's report, I will be talking about the concept of making America great again during the campaign and afterward. Mr. Trump and his supporters were often asked the question, when was America great? In a matter designed to allow the questioner an opportunity to point out all the flaws with America at that time, this report will help you answer that question if it is ever posed to you. And remember, great doesn't necessarily mean perfect. It just means great. Making America great again would be pretty difficult in today's political climate, but it would be entirely possible to at least make America pretty good again. That would be a step in the right direction and much better than nothing. Why can't we make America great again? Well, we could, but that would involve doing all the things we're going to talk about, plus some others that seem to have little or no interest among the people, and certainly none whatsoever from politicians. In order to be great, we would have to be able to determine our own destiny and chart our own independent course in the world. That would mean withdrawal from the United Nations and other international sovereignty-destroying agreements. The second step to being great again would be to repeal the Federal Reserve Act and return control of the United States monetary system to Congress where it belongs, constitutionally speaking. If you're interested in my explanation of why those things could and should be done, please listen to my report entitled Why the United States Must Withdraw from the United Nations, dated May 13th, 2016, as well as the report entitled In the Fed, dated May 20th, 2016, aside from those things for which there seemed to be little or no political will in the United States, we could at least be pretty good if we would just do a few simple but very difficult things. The first thing that must exist for a nation to at least be pretty good is respect for the rule of law. That just means the law applies to everybody, not just Mr. Nobody. From the President of the United States to the homeless veteran, the law applies equally to all. There are rumors flying around Washington that the investigation by Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller into the alleged collusion between the Trump campaign and Russian intelligence experts to influence the election, Mr. Trump's way has backfired in a very big way. Most of the rumors involve extensive FISA abuse. That's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, as evidenced by what has come to be called the FISA Memo. That act set up a special court to oversee and approve FBI and other agencies' requests for search and seizures in violation of the Fourth Amendment when the agencies believed national security was at stake, potential for abuse of the Fourth Amendment rights of American people through FISA is obvious. But perhaps in this case, the abuse was much worse in high places. Let me quote from reporter Sarah Carter, quote, a review of a classified document outlining what is described as extensive Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act abuse was made available to all House members Thursday January 18th, and the revelations could lead to the removal of senior officials in the FBI and Department of Justice. Several sources with knowledge of the document stated these sources say the report is, quote, explosive, stating they would not be surprised if it leads to the end 
of Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation into President Trump and his associates, end quote. The memo was pieced together from a report given to the House Intelligence Committee by the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General. It focuses on the weaponization of various government intelligence by various people, including Loretta Lynch, James Comey at FBI, John Brennan at CIA, and James Clapper as Director of National Intelligence to sabotage Donald Trump's candidacy and delegitimize his election. This is alleged to have happened in collusion with the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton, what really adds a note of credence to these rumors. And that's what this is at this moment for most of us because the memo's classified. What adds credence is the total silence by Democrats who have seen the memo and predictions of high-level prison sentences by Republicans who have also read it. Congress voted to have the House Intelligence Committee share the memo with all members of Congress, but the vote was along strict party lines. The fact that the mainstream media has said nothing and is apparently not even curious about the memo is another reason I believe there is some truth to it. A lot of people are interested, however, because for a few hours, Hashtag release the memo was the most read tweet in the world, but within a couple of hours, Twitter had deleted it. Sending the guilty to jail is more than just a cliche, like we're going to drain the swamp. It is the necessary remedy to restore some confidence in the system. In that vein, several Republicans have called for the immediate release of the memo and WikiLeaks has reportedly offered $1 million to anyone who will leak it to them. The Republicans call the memo, quote, shocking, troubling, and alarming concerning what it reveals about surveillance abuses under President Obama. In quote, one congressman likened the details of the memo to KGB activity in Russia. Members of Congress have every right to be skeptical as do the American people, since this whole affair seems like a cover-up and a protect-your-own type of scandal. FBI officials Peter Strazak and Lisa Page are accused of conspiring to rig the FBI's handling of the Clinton email investigation. The allegations are that the decision regarding Mrs. Clinton and her private server was already decided before she was even interviewed. And 50,000 texts and emails over five months between the two agents prove it. The emails apparently exchanged about Mrs. Clinton's emails while the officials were having an affair with each other, unfortunately misplaced according to the FBI. That sad statement by the FBI certainly does nothing to bolster the American people's respect for the rule of law in America. But lo and behold, there's good news. The FBI told Congress those emails and texts were lost due to a glitch and could never be recovered. But Michael Horowitz at the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General was able to take a team of OIG forensics experts in and recover those emails in a few days. The recovered digital evidence is probably very bad news for the FBI, which apparently knew from the start that the whole Russia investigation was bogus. Republican Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin said on national television news show that there was, quote, deep-seated corruption at the highest levels of the FBI, end quote. He mentioned also several facts that he believes support his charges. Number one, 
At the time, Loretta Lynch said she would abide by the FBI's conclusions. On Hillary Clinton, she already knew that James Comey was going to recommend exoneration of Mrs. Clinton. Number two, the memo exonerating Mrs. Clinton was prepared by the FBI two months before the FBI even interviewed her. Number three, the missing five months of text messages between two self-admitting Trump-hating FBI agents, which have now been recovered. So, there is apparently serious talk in Congress about the appointment of a second special counsel to investigate the first one, I guess, as well as all these other scandals couple all this with the allegation that the day after the election of Donald Trump, a, quote, secret society of officials within the FBI met to plot against the president-elect. Releasing the FISA memo is something that seems to me to be inevitable. Once it's released to the public, Attorney General Jeff Sessions will come under a lot of pressure to appoint a second special prosecutor. So the number one way to make America pretty good again is to reestablish the rule of law. The first method for doing that is to investigate and where evidence warrants it, prosecute the guilty. The second method is to enforce the law, laws that currently exist, such as laws controlling immigration into the country. It is illegal to enter the United States unannounced and without permission, and those who do so should not be allowed to stay to ignore them and to provide various social welfare benefits to them flies in the face of the rule of law. It also flies in the face of American resolve to provide a social welfare state or a social safety net if you want to soften that expression. The social welfare system probably means something completely different to the politicians who establish and maintain it with our money than it does to us. To us, it is a benefit we fund to care for poor and injured people who would otherwise sink into poverty. It is, we believe, that we provide to each other for us. Word of warning, though, we will not be able to fund the benefit for the whole world, especially not health care for the whole world. The money and infrastructure to do that does not exist and will never exist. So do we want a social welfare system or do we want open borders because we can't have both? Not for long anyway. Finally, folks, we can't even be pretty good without respect for the rule of law. Let's begin the process to establish that right now. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.